0: Angels are watching over us, we know. The Lord is good for you and me. Angels are watching over us. The Lord is good for you and me. Angels are watching over us, we know. The Lord is good for you and me. Angels are watching over us. We know all night all day angels watching over us all night all day angels watching over us we know all night all day angels watching over us we praise the Lord is good Jesus, angels are watching over us. We know we praise the Lord is good, Lord Jesus. Angels Jesus. are watching over us. We praise the Lord is good, Lord Jesus. Angels are watching over us. We know we praise the Lord is good, Lord Jesus. Angels are watching over us all, all, us. all, all night. All all day, angels watching over us. We know. All night, all day, angels watching over us. All night, all day, angels watching over us. We know. All night, all. We know. Tell everybody that the Lord is good. Angels watching over us. Day and night, wherever you are. Angels watching over us, we know. Tell everybody that the Lord is good. Angels watching over us. All night. All day, angels watching over us, we know. All night, all day, angels watching over us, all night, all day, angels watching over us, we know. over us, we know Watching over us, we know. All night, Night. all day, angels watching over us. All night, all day, angels watching over us, we know. All night, all day, angels watching over us.
1: I greet you all in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Shall we pray? Modimo na We lift up your name and we praise you. We thank you that you are God who never sleeps nor slumbers. You are God who doesn't tire. You are God who looks after your children all the time. We thank you for waking us up this morning and for giving us an opportunity again to become contributors in the world that you have created, and become assets unto other people. We ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, and it reads as follows. He that spares his rod hates his son, but he that loves him chastises him diligently or as often as is necessary. The word chastise can be described and defined as follows. It is to rebuke, it is to reprimand severely, it is to punish, especially by beating. It is to discipline and it is to inflict punishment. When we look at this, I mean, maybe as pretext, let you and I pick up some nuggets that were spoken in the same book. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13, it reads as follows. Whosoever despises the word shall be destroyed, but he that fears the commandments shall be rewarded. The next one is from Proverbs 13, verse 20. And it reads as follows. He that walks with the wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Some people put it this way. They say, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Because the people you walk with are a representation and a reflection of the future you will become. And Paul the apostle, walks us and gives us a warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. And he says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You cannot be with people that walk in a crooked way and you be found walking straight. It does not happen. And another English statement says, beds of the same feather flock together. So people you are with, have got an influence in your life. And we are warned by Paul. Again, just picking another nugget from Proverbs 13, verse 22. It reads as follows. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Most times we think of an inheritance as wealth, as the tangible, maybe movable, and immovable assets. But when you go deep in terms of an inheritance that lasts, you find that it is actually character. It is good living. It is wisdom, more so from the word of God. And the verse we just read, Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children because if we discipline our children right now and we show them the way of the Lord, they will know the right way. And when God blesses them with children, they will teach them what we taught them. And therefore the legacy, a good legacy goes on. You and I have got work to do. The post text, as a nugget we can pick it up from Proverbs 27, verse 5, and it reads this way. Open rebuke is better than secret love. It is best to rebuke somebody openly than to pretend that you love them and not show them the wrong they do. More so with children, because they are the future. And if we give them the right way of living, then the future world will be a good world for generations to come. This text that we read actually appears two more times in the same book of Proverbs. And the character that God uses here is King Solomon. In Proverbs 22, verse 15, he follows up the same methodology and the teaching. And he says, when it comes to children, In verse 15 of Proverbs 22, he says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. It is best to use a rod to correct a child because foolishness is bound in the heart. The child does not know any better. The child will test and try Everything that's there, even when there's a razor blade on the floor, the child's fingers will reach it and the fingers will take the razor blade to the mouth. So foolishness is bound in the heart. Whose responsibility is it to ensure that the child knows that kind of object is not good for him or her? It is you and I, the parents. It is you and I, the elderly people. So, we have a responsibility to drive a foolishness far from the heart of the child by using the rod of correction. Again, the second time, or make it the third time, where the same topic regarding disciplining children comes up in Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14 withhold not correction from the child. For if you beat him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from hell. This is King Solomon that God allowed to write these words. And when God referred to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 12, God said, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after shall any rise like unto thee. I guess you will agree with me that based on the wisdom God said he's given to King Solomon, that before him there was nobody as wise as he was, neither after him will there be anybody wise to the level of King Solomon. So we can talk about all the intelligentsia of today's age. Those that gave us, think about the radio, think about the computers, think about the aeroplane, the Wright brothers, think about Einstein, think about the globe that we have. It is great wisdom that we have. However, God declared that none of them would match the wisdom of Solomon. I guess you would agree with me that when we look at a man like this, whose wisdom is unmatchable, you would agree he is worthy to be listened to. And he's a man, according to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3, that had 700 wives, plus he had 300 concubines. We do not know how many children he had, and on this lesson, he teaches us that spare the rod and you spoil the child. You use not the rod of discipline, then it means you hate the child because that child is going to die and will die in his or her evil and their lives will be short lived. What is the result of sparing the rod? The result we pick up from a family that lived before King Solomon and uh, this scripture is found in 1st Samuel chapter 2. Read with me please and 1st uh, Samuel chapter 2 verse 31 depicts a family of Eli the priest and it says this is where now God gives a judgment based on the fact that this, the rod of correction was spared by the priest Eli, And God says to him, and I'm going to read parts of some of the verses as we go along. I do know you as a student of the word, God-loving child, the worker in the family of God, you will read much more than we are able to do so in any given episode that we deal with. So, I encourage you, please read beyond where we're reading in this episode. Go again with me, 1 Samuel chapter 2. I'm going to pick verse 31, and then I'll read verse 32b, 33b, and verse 34. We're looking at the results of sparing the rod by the priest Eli, and God this time around is bringing judgment to Eli and his family. And God says, Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. There shall not be an old man in thine house forever, and all the increase in thine house shall die in the flower or in the Prime of their age, verse thirty-four, and this shall be a sign unto thee that shall come upon thy two sons, that is on Hophni and Phineas. In one day they shall die both of them. This comes out as the result, or call it the repercussion of sparing the rod. So Eli is now in trouble, not for his generation only, but even in the generations to come. For God says in this family, there shall not be an old man in the house of Eli. So, and God says in verse 33b, and all the increase in thine house shall die in the prime of their age. So when the young people born in the lineage of Ellie's house, when they become strong, when they become young adults and where we look for more to come from them, they will die. Why will they die? They will die in their prime because Ellie spared the rod. So the question, The key question we could ask is, what did their father, Eli, not do for this punishment to come? Or we could put it this way. What did Eli allow, which he should not have allowed to happen, that resulted in this great punishment for his family and the posterity after his life? Or we could put it this way, lastly. What is it that Eli omitted to do? So he did not commit to do something, so he omitted to do, and that came out as the problem ultimately. What is it that he did not do? The answers are found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and uh, it's not going to go in sequence the way I'm bringing it through to you now. We're going to read First, Samuel chapter two, verse 22. Then we will go to verse 12, and then we'll pick up some points from verse 13 to 16, and then end the answers with verse 17. Look at it with me, please. Verse 22 of Samuel chapter two says, Now Eli was very old, and heard all that his sons did unto Israel. He heard how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 12. The sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not God. In other words, they were worthless sons. They did not know God's ways even though they lived with their father, who was the priest of the nation, and um, they were time and time again in the tabernacle. Verse 13. The people who worked in the tabernacle who gave or who were slaughtering offerings unto the Lord for sins of those who needed to be forgiven. Verse 13 to 16, just to pick up a few pointers there, is that when any man offered sacrifices, the priest's servants will take as much meat as they wanted out of the ports before the burnt offering of the fat that was to be a sweet smell or sweet smelling aroma unto God was taken. So they wanted to be served before God's pieces were taken from the offering. They took as much meat unto themselves by force, thereby making people despise the order and the process flow of how bent offerings needed to happen. And we pick up in verse 17, that the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. The word abhor, if we look at various definitions of it, it means to regard with disgust and hatred. It is to detest, it is to despise, or to shrink back in horror. So the nation of Israel began to despise, they began to detest, they began to regard with disgust and hatred, the offerings that were given for forgiveness of sins. They shrunk back in horror based on the children of Eli. We do pick up that somewhere along the line, Eli spoke to his children, but he only spoke to them. He did not do more than that. What he needed to do was to use a rod of discipline. He needed really to pick them up and really disqualify them from participating in getting the offerings coming their way. Think again, we read in earlier in Proverbs 13 verse 24, The verse says, he that spares his rod hates his son, but he that loves him chastises chastises him diligently or often. And when you look at the word chastise, to chastise means to rebuke. It is to reprimand severely. It is to punish especially by inflicting pain or by beating. And Eli just spoke to his children he just spoke to his sons. He did not inflict pain by disqualifying them from participating in meat that were offered unto God for the forgiveness of sins of those that had brought these. Let us conclude. In the book of Samuel chapter 4, we pick up the outcome of what God had declared was to happen to this family. For God said, Elia, for you, Eli, to know that I have spoken, your two sons will die together on the same day. Read with me then, Samuel chapter 4, verse 15, and it says, Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were dim. Verse 17, Eli gets a message that his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, was taken by the Philistines. True to God's word, if we do not discipline our children, we're creating a problem for ourselves, we're creating a problem for them, and God's punishment will come both to us and to them. Unfortunately, even the generations that have not even come at the time, they will suffer the consequences of us having spared the road. So Eli, when he got the message that his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were dead, one of the points that pierced his heart painfully was to know that even the ark of God was taken by the Philistines. Verse 18, just as we read further, we pick up that also Eli, when he got that message, he died. He was fat, he was big, he was heavy, and he fell backwards, head over heels, his neck broke, and he died same day with his children. And somebody else took over, and that was Samuel who was studying under Eli, who was serving God diligently under Eli, whilst Eli's sons were left to do as they pleased and the rod of punishment was not used. Ellie's posterity was now disqualified from carrying God's work forward. Samuel is now stepping in, chosen by God to take over, not forgetting that God had said there will never be an old man in the lineage of this family. Where did the problem start? Why? All this great punishment. For you and I, as we're concluding, let's think again. The answer is that Eli spared the rod and he spoiled the children. They did not know the ways of God. They messed up with women at the door of the tabernacle. They took the flesh or the meat offering before God's pieces were taken and thereby creating dishonor from the whole nation. So we can say, Eli has actually killed the children or his two sons prematurely. He destroyed their future by not disciplining them at a time he needed to. Spare the rod and you spoil the child. By not disciplining his two sons, He caused irreparable damage and irreversible death at the prime of the future generations that were to be born in His house. I pray that this message may change our hearts, may turn you and I around, that we follow God's ways, that we discipline our children, that we show them the way, that we teach them the ways of God, do not spare the rod. If you use the rod, it will not kill them, but it will take foolishness out of their hearts, and they will become men and women of character in the future. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once more. May your word change our hearts. May we follow your ways and your commandments, that the future generations may have life and not death. That the future generations may follow your ways and not men's ways. That the future generations may not want instantaneous gratification for themselves, but that they may desire to please you. I pray, Father, that everybody who hears this word, we may hear you more than hearing men's word. That we may obey your word, and not men's word. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.